Welcome back. You're watching Upfront. I'm joined now by one of the closest political advisors of the Gandhi family. In fact, he's been a close friend of the family since the early 1980s when Rajiv Gandhi was still General Secretary, Sam Potroda. And this is an opportunity to talk to him about Rahul and Priyanka Gandhi, Amethi and Varanasi. Sam Potroda, let's start with Rahul Gandhi's response to the Supreme Court in the contempt of court case. It was given this morning and he's expressed regret. And I want to ask you a simple question. Is regret the same as an apology, or does it stop short? I don't know that, okay? I am not really qualified to look at these legalities. I can tell you more about what I think of Rahul Gandhi. I can tell you about my relationship with him, as opposed to legalities of the issue. No, I'm not asking about legalities. I'm simply asking, as a common man, hears the word regret. When uh -huh. Rahul expresses regret, is he also saying, I'm sorry? That you have to ask Rahul Gandhi. So you're not clear? No, I do not want to even answer that because that's not my, you know, privilege. Okay, how can I answer that? Why, you're a very close advisor. So what? That doesn't give me, a, you know, opportunity to answer on his behalf. But you're interpreting for the country what Rahul means when he expresses regret. Rahul is sincere in whatever he says. Okay, I believe that. I know the young man. To me, he is more of a Gandhian than anybody I know of who believes in truth, who believes in love, he believes in trust. I'm not questioning his sincerity. I'm simply asking, what did he mean when he expressed regret? I told you once, and I'll tell you again, that I have no idea. You have to ask him that. Okay, I'll tell you why I asked the question. Sure. Because when the British expressed regret for Jallianwala, they didn't apologize. And the whole of India said, the two are different, and regret is not sufficient. Now, if the same applies to Rahul, and he's only expressing regret but not apologizing, that may be deemed to be insufficient. That you have to ask Rahul. But a close advisor like you will not help us understand? No, I don't think so. I'm not capable of understanding that. Okay, let's then come to the expression of regret. We'll park on the side whether regret amounts to apology or not. What is he actually expressing regret for? Did he misunderstand what the Supreme Court said? To be very or, frank... Or no. did he concoct a story? No. To be very frank, I have not been aware of all of this. I don't read that much in the newspapers. I have no time, nor do I see television. So on this particular issue, I would rather pass because I just don't know, really. If I knew, I'll tell you. Believe me, I have no idea because I haven't even spent five minutes on it. The reason this became... No, a it may be a big issue for you. No, not for me, for the it country. It may be a big issue for the country because today it's a big news, but I have no idea. Okay. Let's not talk about the details. Was it embarrassing for Congress when the Chief Justice in open court said, in reference to what Rahul claimed the Supreme Court had said, the Chief Justice said, we did not say any such thing. Was it embarrassing that the Chief Justice should be contradicting again, the President think, of again, Congress? Again, I am saying you are touching on a topic on which I have nothing to say, whether it is Chief Justice or it is Rahul Gandhi or what he said, because I do not keep myself updated on what happens in media every day. But you've That's been living in India for the last 10 days. Of course I've been. So but you're I don't well aware read, of what Rahul said. No, I don't read newspapers at all. At all? At all. You don't watch television? I don't watch television at all, not you, even for five minutes. You don't talk to friends who mention this controversy? No, but, I'm too busy doing my own thing. But you're really suggesting, Mr. Potroda, that you were in a cocoon, in a little ivory tower of your own? That's possible. Okay, because I have a job to do, and I do my job the way I think it is right to do, and it doesn't really matter. People will say, listening to you, 
Is this a clever answer given by a close advisor because anything else it might embarrass around? It doesn't matter what people say. All I'm saying is what I have to say. I think you're beating on a topic which has no meaning to me because I don't know enough about it. Okay. It is like asking a physicist about health issues. Let me broaden the subject and ask you about Rahul rather than about what Rahul said. Exactly. Unfortunately, this is not the first time Rahul's loose talk has got him into trouble. It happened in January with regard to Mr. Parikar. It happened last year with regard to Emmanuel Macron. And people ask the question, why is Rahul so prone to lose talk? Why does he say these things? No, I think you have to look at it differently. Okay? At times, Rahul speaks his mind like I do. You know, you would try to drag me into something and I would continue to say, look, this is something I don't know. If I knew, I'll tell you. And it is good to speak your mind. In India, everybody is too concerned about every word you speak, even at, you know, ordinary level. It is good to speak your mind once in a while. I don't deny for a moment that it is good to speak your mind. But surely what you say has to be factually correct. It depends. But On that what? again you have to ask him. You talk no, no. I'm not asking him about a specific instance. Yeah. I'm simply asking you, he's got a reputation today of being prone to lose talk. And people ask, why is he prone to this? I don't think so. I think that's what people's interpretation. People have a lot of interpretations about him. This is a okay. mistaken interpretation? I think so. I but think there are a... at least three or four instances I can so think fine. of. Fine. Out of thousands of instances, there are three or four instances. Perfectly okay. What's the problem? I don't understand. Why get so hung up about it? Is it you really... talk about thousands of things every day. See, is it really perfectly okay? Because one of the instances was not a tweet. It wasn't a soundbite to a journalist. It was something he said in a formal speech during a Lok Sabha no confidence debate. Possible. And, but you I'm see, saying, you see, you are talking to me about issues for which I have nothing to do. No, sir, I'm not talking to you about the content of the loose talk. I'm talking to you about a different issue. I'm saying that if something Rahul as Congress president says in a Lok Sabha debate, people turn around and say, he doesn't care about the sanctity of parliament. Parliament is somewhere see, where the this, president speaks no, and the Congress Karan, president is this careful. This conversation you need to have with Rahul and not with me. Okay, I hope you understand. The conversation you want to carry on is a good conversation to have with Rahul and not with Sam Mitroda. So that I understand. You can't speak on his behalf. Exactly. But as a close advisor... That doesn't give me right to speak on his behalf. But you can explain... You can interpret, no, no, you can justify, I, no, you can defend? No, I don't have to. Why should I? Would it not be in Rahul's interest that you did? No, possible. If I knew all the details, I would. But Let if I don't know the details, how would I? Let me Even about this Rajya Sabha thing, I have no idea. You are basically expecting me to monitor every event, everything. As a reporter, you do. I'm not a reporter. No, I'm not asking you to monitor. I'm asking you to... I don't know what is said no, in Rajya no, Sabha. I'm Believe asking, me. I'm asking you to respond to the perception... That Rahul is perception, careless when he speaks in the no, Lok Sabha. That perception is wrong. That much I can tell you. Rahul does speak his mind. I also speak my mind. And at times people misinterpret what I say. That's okay. But isn't it dangerous when the president of the Congress party is misinterpreted? But that's okay. That's for public to decide. I'm not, you know, you're still hammering no, on no, the same issue. No, no, I'm saying isn't it dangerous for no, the no, president? Because no. it damages still, his image. No, but you're still hammering on the same issue, Karan, which has no relevance to me. Sam Petroda is not qualified to answer that. Let me ask you Why one... Why don't you ask me something that I will. I am. I'll come to that. Let me ask okay. you one last question. 
Rahul hopes to be Prime Minister of India one day, and it might happen as early as May. In fact, it, I might, hope happen. So. it might happen in 31, so. 32 days. We are counting on it. But the question it. people ask, is a man who's so often prone to lose stock fit to be Prime Minister? This Absolutely. is raising not questions about his fitness. First of all, don't say that person is used to lose talk. But what is this if not lose talk? This is basically opening his mind and talking about... But getting you know, it wrong, repeatedly. That's okay once in a while to be wrong. What's the problem? If you're doing 100,000 things, you're wrong for three times. What's the problem? I'm wrong many times. I'm is delighted it, that I'm wrong. Is it not embarrassing times. when a no, man who hopes to be prime no, minister is wrong? No, 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 no. We are all human beings. We all make mistakes. It is good to make mistakes. You make mistakes only if you do things. So come back to my question. What do you say to people who use these instances of loose talk to question whether Rahul is fit to be prime minister? I can tell them only one thing. The man I know is unique because to me he is Gandhian. What does Gandhian mean? I'll tell you in a minute what Gandhian means. To me Gandhian means guy who believes in truth, guy who believes in trust, guy who believes in love, concern for minorities, concern for poor, democracy, freedom, inclusion, diversity. These are not just bunch of words. To me, this is a way of life. Isn't, and I know Rahul believes isn't all, of, all this. of this either contradicted or undermined by the fact that he often gets things wrong? That's okay. How can you believe in truth and no, still get things often. wrong? What you call often is wrong. Three times in 10,000 is not often, my friend. I'm not sure if it's three times in 10,000. It's but a it's, lot. No, the ratio it, is a lot tighter. No, it's not because you do 10,000 things per day. You okay? say, At you that say level, he believes in truth. Absolutely. Arun Jaitley has repeatedly called but him a congenital Arun, but, liar. But that is Arun Jaitley's privilege. Okay. I can call Modi liar all the time, but that's my privilege, okay? And somebody who loves Modi would say, Sam is wrong. That's his privilege. That's what democracy is all about, my friend. Okay, tell me this. You're very close to Rahul. People have heard your defense of Rahul. It was delivered with tremendous passion and conviction. You were very close earlier to Rajiv Gandhi. How do the two compare? I think both come from a different sort of era. You know, Rajiv Gandhi era was really early days of privatization, liberalization, free market economy. Rajiv Gandhi era had only two million phones. India was not connected. Technology was just new to a lot of people. In 30 years, we have come a long way. That's the difference between on, India then and India now. I'm coming to that, okay? But because you define a man based on the era you live in. Okay. Today, instead of 2 million phones, we have 1.2 billion phones. India is a country of connected billion. India has some huge but, multinationals. But all of this people understand. Your audience is no, no, well no. aware of this. No, that's not the come, point. Come to the comparison between the two people. I'm coming. But before comparing these two people, we need to understand the era. But that we have. No, but I want to establish it. Okay. I think I need to establish that to have my own thoughts organized. Okay. In the era of connectivity, but can I suggest we do it quickly because this is something that if we take up time on, there's so much else I won't be able to cover. It's okay, but you know, let me take my time and you take your time. Okay. Okay. So in an era 
where connectivity is hyper, expectations rise mm. in a very short period of time. Expectations were very different in Rajiv Gandhi era. Okay. Plus, he was there with a majority. What are the expectations today? Today, expectations are people want everything quickly, instant gratification. So the challenge Rahul faces is greater. Absolutely. I want jobs now. I want education fixed now. So he's under I greater scrutiny than Rajiv. Absolutely. And there are instruments which can allow you to scrutinize more than, than social media, you know, television, hundreds of channels as opposed to two channels. Who had the better political sense of the two? I think both have different political sense. It depends on how you look at it because Rajiv, as I said, came from a majority in the parliament. Rahul comes from sort of, you know, a, a different time frame in the Congress party. And they both have their own way of looking at We are all different. You are different. I am different. You know, what you consider important is not important. Do you me. think Rahul is the right man in all his qualities and in all his talents to be prime minister of India today? Absolutely. 100%. You have He's, no doubt at all? No doubt about it. He's young. He's energetic. His heart is in the right place. I think he's at the right time. And I think it's perfect combination. Let's move from Rahul to Priyanka Gandhi. She's been General Secretary of the Congress Party in charge of Eastern Uttar Pradesh for two and a half months. Do you have any assessment of the sort of impact she's made? I think she does make a lot of sense to a lot of people in the party. Party has been waiting for her to enter politics. She's galvanized it. Finally, she decided that it was time for her to take official job. And I think she has galvanized large part of party. What about on the ground? On the ground, as you know, in UP, Congress has not been as strong as we had in the past. And she had to build everything, and there is very little time to build it. But she's made a good start? I think she has made a good start. There's a lot of speculation today, almost as we speak, whether Priyanka Gandhi will stand as a candidate in Varanasi. Rahul Gandhi, in an interview to The Hindu on Thursday, deliberately said, I'm leaving the country in suspense. Yesterday on television, Priyanka Gandhi said, if the Congress president asks me, I'll happily stand. As a close political advisor and friend, what's your opinion? Should she stand or would it be wiser for her not to stand? I would leave it to her. I would let her decide that because that is her decision. And you I won't give any advice? No, I won't give any advice. She knows exactly what the issues are. It has to be her decision. And I think we should all respect that decision. Let me put this to you. In 2014, Narendra Modi had a majority in Varanasi of over 3,70,000. Can Priyanka Gandhi hope to overturn it and defeat him? Or is that just too much to expect? I don't know about the voting sort of dynamics in Varanasi in terms of caste in terms of past voting and all, that Priyanka will have to decide. She will have to judge whether her chances are better to win or she would lose. But can she overturn a 3,70,000 majority? That she will have to decide that. No, no, obviously she'll have to decide. But I'm asking you as an possible. independent observer. Yeah, it is possible. You think it's possible it to, do possible. It? You to look overturn 3,70,000? Absolutely. It's po anything is possible in democracy. Can I put you four reasons why people suggest it might be inadvisable for Priyanka to contest from Varanasi. First... I think you should put that to Priyanka. No, no, no. I'm talking to you analytically. Okay. I'm not talking personally. Okay. The first reason people say it would be inadvisable for her is because there is already an SP-BSP candidate 
if Priyanka joins the fray, she could end up dividing the anti-BJP vote, and that would help Narendra Modi. So maybe Priyanka should watch your program. I hope she does. But how do you respond to the possibility that if she stands, she could split the anti-BJP vote and thus help Modi? That decision is hers. Obviously. So but, she will. But as an analyst, what's your feeling about that possibility? No, I think that's a that's part of the input in the decision-making process. That's not the only input. Absolutely. Let me put a second reason why people feel it might be inadvisable. She's general secretary in charge of Eastern UP, and Eastern UP is an area where Congress this time hopes it can win several seats. But if Priyanka stands herself from Varanasi, she'll have to spend a lot of her time in her own constituency, and therefore she'd have less time for East UP, and that could affect Congress's prospects. Is it therefore wiser for her not to stand? This is also the input that she should take into consideration. But again, as an analyst, as someone who advises, what's your feeling about this? No, same thing. It'll be her decision. No, obviously, that we know. That's all. But, but that's all there is to it. No, but surely when you talk about the factors in the background, an analyst like you can comment on those. No, I don't have to comment on it because these are all the inputs she will take into consideration. She's intelligent enough. Okay, and she'll make a decision based on what she thinks is right. Let me put a third to you. People say that if she stands, she will be the third Gandhi competing in these elections. Won't that revive concern about A, the Gandhi dynasty, and B, about the way it vitiates a democracy? Would that be advisable? I would don't think so. I don't think that's a problem. She's a candidate. She just happens to be Gandhi. People will have to decide whether to vote for her or not. You know, it's a democracy. But Anybody the fact has the right that she's contest? standing because she is a Gandhi. That's okay. That's her It's privilege. not despite the fact, it's because of. No, that's okay. But then people will have to decide that. People will have to take that into consideration. So in the middle of this tense election where defeating Mr. Modi is so important, won't you be giving him an opportunity to raise the Gandhi dynasty? And won't that be something you should avoid rather than encourage? But that is also something that she has to decide. You and I don't have no, any... No, obviously. Ah, so she'll is... decide that? No, I know she'll decide it. That's I'm simply okay. asking as an analyst, how do you respond to this concern? I don't want to respond. I don't have to respond. I think this is one of the inputs. You know, why do you expect me to respond to something that is her decision? Same thing with Rahul. That is his choice, Okay. And I think you need to You're suggesting to me that these are all issues that are left to Priyanka herself and that her of party, course. her advisors cannot no, comment on? No, I don't think we should because this is at the time. But isn't that what advisors are there to do, to give advice on issues like this? Not necessarily. All the inputs are available to her and ultimate decision has to be hers. But sometimes when inputs are available, people don't take them into consideration the way they should. Advisors help point out matters and say, have you thought about this carefully? Yeah, but you know, that happens in a close sort of atmosphere, and that is not for public to, you know, decide. That's for her to decide. That may be for three guys who are our political advisor to decide. Let me put a fourth and final reason why people feel it might be inadvisable for Priyanka to stand from Varanasi. It would revive what's called the Vadra factor. Once what again, I the present politicians will be talking about do. Vadra's corruption, in quotations, and that would create a cloud that would hover over Congress just when you need sunshine. But let me tell you, she is intelligent enough to deal with all of these issues. She has thought through it. Whatever she decides, I would respect, I would support as a party man. But you won't advise, you won't caution, you won't warn? No, I would not because I think she knows all the issues. Who am I to talk, warn her? 
She knows all Is the issues. Is there anyone else in Congress who's advising, warning, cautioning her? No, but she knows all the issues. Okay, she knows. She, I mean, she's capable of understanding these issues. Okay, you don't need to advise everybody on you every know, step of walking. Even Indira Gandhi used to accept and want advice from people who were so in I'm a position sure, to give it. No, I'm sure this has been discussed in the past. What I'm saying is at this point in time, she knows all the issues. And I'm sure she had, people have talked to her in the past about it. And she will decide, respect it. Let's come to Amethi. A few weeks ago, it was announced that Rahul Gandhi will be standing from Vayanath as well as Amethi. And in fact, if I'm not mistaken, the voting in Vayanath happens tomorrow. Many people say that, in fact, the reason Rahul is standing from Vayanath is because he's scared he's going to lose Amethi. Vayanath, therefore, is intended as a safety net. Wrong. Why do you say it's wrong? Because I know it's wrong. Can I give you one reason why people think it's not wrong? No, that's people's privilege. No, but just listen to the facts. Yeah, that's okay. In, in, in 2014, that's okay. Rahul's majority in Amethi was reduced to just 1,7,000. Smithy Irani did away with over 2,50,000 votes that he had earlier. Secondly, this time, the BJP will throw all its resources, all its money, all its talent into trying to defeat I can tell Rahul. you only one thing. Rahul will win in Amethi. 180%, no questions. It is that confidence we all have. What Rahul is it based upon? What is this confidence based, based on upon? the ground level information that we have? Which is what? People talking to you? People talking, surveys we have done, you know, and all that. I accept that you must have done very good surveys and you have, I'm sure, good ground level I feedback. Me. I don't mean Congress, me. obviously. I mean, you as Congress, you're a close advisor of the Congress. You're part of that team of Congress people who meet every day at 4 o'clock. That's why when I say you, I mean Congress. But let me give you one reason why people feel the trend in Amethi is moving away from Congress. In the 2017 state assembly elections... Why don't we wait for a while? Well, can I finish the, the question? Uh, let me finish the question, and I'm happy to wait okay. if that's your answer. In 2017, in the state assembly elections, Congress lost all five assembly segments in Amethi. BJP won four. In 2012, BJP had won none. So if in 2012 they win none, in 2017 they win four out of five, doesn't that suggest the trend is very much in the BJP's direction? My advice to you would be wait and watch. But that everyone will. That's it. Then that's the thing to do right now. So your answer to me is that I, Sam Petroda, am Believe that very Rahul confident will 100% he will win. Will win. Give Absolutely. Me, give me some sense of with what sort of majority. That I don't know. Would it be more than 1,7,000, which is what probably. it was last time? Probably. Only probably? Probably. Only probably? Probably. That's all I can tell you. But that's not great confidence when you say only probably. That's okay. What's the problem with that? I don't understand your whole logic to this interview. Well, I was hoping. I'm a little bit amazed that Karan Thapar would come at this interview from an angle you are coming to. I'm not coming from any No, no, angle. I'm telling you. I'm, I'm raising you as a questions friend. that I mean, are you have been the, a very no, close I'm raising friend. questions that are in the domain of the public. I understand. These are doubts, and I've got a close advisor, I and understand. my duty as a journalist is to put them to you. I have no agenda. I respect, I respect your duty, but all I'm saying is there are issues which I'm aware of, and there are issues that I'm not aware of. And these don't are issues that okay. Don't expect me to be aware of all the political issues I come from a very different background. I am not someone who has contested election at all in my life. I am not a member of Rajya Sabha. I am not interested in political angle of it. 
my whole equation is more developmental. Okay. If let you me talk then, about job, let I can me tell take you. One, Hold on. If let you me talk take about one technology, issue, let me, I can talk let about Let me it. take a one issue which then fits into that description of yourself. It's to do with the NIAI scheme, the minimum income guarantee scheme, which is clearly the centerpiece of Congress's electoral appeal. There's one particular issue, or some say problem, that hasn't been addressed, as far as I can tell, by members in the Congress party, and I want to put it to you. When a family on the 19th or 20th percentile gets 6,000 rupees a month, its income will bounce up to 15,240. At the moment, that is almost precisely the income of a family at the 58th percentile. The problem is, when you take a family from the 19th or 20th percentile up to the 58th percentile, and all the in-between families do not benefit, you could create enormous resentment, and that might be inadvisable for Congress. How does Congress address okay. this problem? So first of all, the basic scheme of NIAI is to provide 72,000 rupees to 50 million families who are so-called below poverty line. That amounts to about $50 billion in a $3 trillion economy. We believe it is doable. So now when we start execution on it, there'll be a group of experts set up. They will work out an implementation plan. It won't get done in the first year. You're not going to distribute to all 50 million in the first year, like we did in Narega. It will take time to roll it out. While we are rolling Pinak it out... Pinak Chakravarti says it will be complete in year two. Yeah, so maybe two years, maybe it will be three years. I don't know, okay? But that committee will decide how to fine-tune it. If there is a need to fine-tune and make corrections, it will be completely legitimate for the implementation group to fine-tune the scheme. It is a scheme. But can I say this? This is more than just a matter of fine-tuning. Surjit Bhalla, the economist, says that 40% of India's population exists between the 20th percentile and the 50th percentile. That's over 500 million people. 500 million people is not what we are talking about. We are talking about last 200 million. Of that 200 million, 50 may be over, 50 may be below. All that will be worked out by the so implementation committee. So the 50 committee. that are above could be fine-tuned and included. Possible. So you're leaving room for that? Absolutely, because that would, I will leave it to the implementation committee. Can I put one other issue to do with the Congress manifesto to you? Mm -hmm. On the one hand, Congress has committed itself to a nationwide farm loan waiver, mm -hmm. but it hasn't given any sense of what it will cost. Mm -hmm. And it could be huge. On the other hand, the manifesto also commits Congress to reducing the fiscal deficit to 3% by 2021, which is next year, and then keeping it below that. And many people say okay. you simply can't do the two together. Okay, let me first tell you that in the last five years, our national debt has gone up by almost 50%. Okay? I hope people realize that. That's a huge number. Okay? So we are dealing with economy that will be handed over to whosoever wins in 2019, where you have massive debt. But at the same time, we are getting $3 trillion economy which we hope will grow at 8 to 10%. 8 to 10%? I hope so. Okay. You know, we are now... 10 may be unrealistic, but it's so a let's hope. let's assume 8. Okay. If it is growing at 8%, you'll be creating more jobs, so the tax base will go up. You'll be creating a lot of other opportunities because of 
this scheme itself in rural areas. So it will basically kickstart the economy. And that will allow you both to have a nationwide farm loan waiver and reduce the fiscal we deficit so. to 3%. We think so. So, so it all depends upon growing the economy. That is a game. You we know, want to come to power because we believe we will be able to grow economy to 8 to 10%. You have to grow the economy enormously because your manifesto's expenditure commitments are huge. You're going to But look at the expenditure we had in the last five years. I mean, we have doubled the... You know, but, but just a moment, you've promised increasing the health budget sure. to 3% of GDP in five years. Education, Education budget. to 6%. Absolutely. Your NIAI will cost somewhere around 1.5, 1.6%. You're going to increase defense spending as a percentage of GDP. And Absolutely. then there's the farm loan waiver, which is uncosted. TN Session says that you're envisaging a total increase of expenditure of something like 7% of GDP. And it if you're going to cover that by growing the, the economy, it it's still a huge going, growth. It is still not going to increase the national debt by 50% like we did in the last five years. But you think you can grow the economy sufficiently to Absolutely. be able to increase expenditure Give to 7% of GDP? To Give 7%. us a chance. Give us a chance. All right, Mr. Patroda. On that note of confidence, a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. Thanks.